and James. And you're listening to Jet Jazz. Okay, this is by far my favorite intro to Jess Ghoulie Things. Right there, we're keeping it forever. Hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Jess Ghoulie Things, the quarantine spooky story special, episode 32. And we're your beautiful hosts, Rebecca, Lily, and James. Okay, so if you guys haven't noticed, we have a third person hey. today. <laughs> we have a third person today on the podcast, and that is James Allen Ross. You've probably heard me a million times during the quarantine spooky story specials brag about him and how awesome he is as a writer and I'm obsessed with his Dylan Claypool book series um so we are so excited to have him on the show today as our first guest co-host uh James say hi to the boo things out there hello boo things <laughs> I love hearing it from everyone else oh, I love it all right James so let's just get right into it um tell the uh tell the listeners who you are, what you do, um, and specifically talk about the Dylan Claypool series because um, I'm kind of an expert on it now, so cool. I, want, I want to talk more about it. <laughs> well, um, you know, thanks for having me. It's a pretty big honor to be the first co-host. <laughs> um, I, I found you guys very early in your um, in your adventure here on Just Willie Things, and uh, I was hooked right away. I just think you guys make the paranormal normal, you know, <laughs> oh, thank you, you know, I mean, un until I met you guys, I didn't think there was anyone else into the paranormal that didn't wear all black every day. And, <laughs> and I'm, glad, I'm glad to see that there's other normal paranormal fans out there. So, um, that being said, yeah, my name is James Allen Ross. I am the author of the haunting of haunting of Dylan Claypool. There are two books right now. The first book, Whispers in Black Willow. Um, the premise is um, this is a story about a young woman named Dylan. She's 16. She has a very dark history to her life, and she feels the only way to gain closure on it is through paranormal investigation. So she's a ghost hunter. And in book one, she finds herself living with her estranged grandmother. She's in a brand-new town. She's at a brand-new high school. And down a long, narrow dirt road lined with cornfields, she finds a boarded-up house where she begins to uncover what she hopes is going to restore her own haunted past. Oh, my God. You know what? Like, <laughs> it's... And let me tell you, he was just giving you, like, the very minimal of the story. He doesn't want to give a rest away. But let me tell you guys, the way you write, um, I, you know, I'm not... I don't typically read a lot of fiction, um, as of right now, when I was younger, I read a lot. I read a lot of ghost stories growing up. and um, But this mm -hmm. book inspired me to read more horror and drama and different fictional and kind of like made me get back to my creative side and wanting to oh, nice. read more about the paranormal um, in, a fi in a fictional yeah. sense. Because I felt, even though it's a fictional story, I felt like it was real. Like I felt like I was with the characters. <laughs> right. I feel like you get to know Mitch yeah. and you get to meet uh, Dylan. Like you feel like you're a part of the family and you're rooting for them the yeah. whole way. And there's sometimes you feel like the book's going to go one way. And then the next chapter you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was not on my <laughs> list of what was going to happen. All right. And then the second book that I just finished up the other day, I have to tell you to your face, James, what the hell? I <laughs> I was looking in the back of your second book and I'm like, okay, so book three is, and I'm like, I can't even buy the third book. I'm so, yeah. I'm like, come on, what's happening? I need the book. I need to read more of what's going to go on. What's going to, so 
don't you don't have to give us if you can't say certain things we understand but what like what's the next step for dylan um like is there gonna be a part three is like what's yes okay yeah in in fact um book three is called snow angel oh yes okay okay yeah (laughs) and um if you look i actually have i actually have the the cover artwork is done for book three and um, about a month ago, if you go to Instagram, you can find the cover. It's really nice. In fact, on the cover, Dylan now has a Wolf Tracks tattoo <gasps> on her shoulder. Badass. So, and you yeah. know what? Speaking so without giving away too much, that that's 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 the premise there. So. And speaking of the wolf tattoo, we're not going to give away, you know, what what exactly that symbolism is in the book. But I do want to say that what is around, like what's involved with the symbol of the wolf tattoo is something we're going to be talking about later in today's episode with James because I find it yeah. interesting, the topic that he has with his book and and how it sort of aligns but also doesn't align with your views on the paranormal. So yeah. we're going to get to that a little later because <laughs> as soon as you emailed me the topic you wanted to talk about, I was very confused and I wanted to ask you questions on that. Um, do I have a... Oh, Another question too. So, you've you've written these books. Do you have any other uh, writing that you are you that you're working on or that you have out already that our listeners can check out? Because um, I think that we yeah, would love I to have see a it. young adult um, horror. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I have a young adult horror book called Forever Dream. Okay. And that, yeah, that one um, is pretty well received. People really like it. I mean, I wrote it for like ages 10 and up, but the response from, you know, all age groups has has been very good on that one. And then I have um, a book series I'm writing right now uh, for a um, film company called Concord Films. They have uh, several features on Lifetime Movie Network, and I am uh, turning a bunch of their movies into a book series for them. Oh, so wow. that that's what huh. I'm, yeah, that's keeping me really busy. And I'm having a blast doing it too. That's a cool project. Yeah. That's an awesome project. That's, oh my God. That's interesting seeing that you're taking movies and making them into books rather than it's usually the other way around. That's pretty interesting. It's usually the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The funny thing is, so, so book people, they always say, well, why are they making a movie? It's already a book. You know, and the question I'm getting about, you know, why are they making a book? It's already a movie, but it's all, it's all goes hand in hand, you know, books, movies, it's all, they're all very cohesive. So, yeah. Well, I'm really hoping that the Dylan Claypool series becomes a movie because let me tell you, when I was reading it, the visuals that you're able to get, I was able to play it in my head like a movie where I can, I can picture what the house looked like. I could picture what the school looked like. I could picture, I could picture what the characters looked like pretty well in my head. Um, is there any future for possible production for the Dylan Claypool series? The, there is. So um, Dylan has been optioned by Concord Films for okay. um, TV slash film. Um, it started out as a project for a TV series, and I've read the pilot. It's, it's fantastic. Um, and now it's being explored by them as a film, and then they're going to make the decision whether, you know, it's better suited for TV or a feature. But, yeah, I'm really excited about that. I, I can't say too much about it, but um, it, I, the pilot that I read is really, really good. 
Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, the more developments that come from it, I mean, I know this is going to be something because just reading it, it just, it's, it really is a magical book series. I know it's such a corny word to use magical, but it really, it's, it really entices me and it just, it's, it's, it's different. It really is. It stands out on its own. And, um, as soon as anything develops with that, you definitely have to get back on and tell us more. We need to be the first to know. We need to be your go-to to announce. Um, Oh, and then sure. also <laughs> at the end of when we're kind the of best, the best was the time that Rebecca. Wait, what happened? No, the best was the time. Sorry, you were paused when I started talking, but then you kept talking. <laughs> no, I was going to say the best was the time that um, that you said to me, we have to postpone recording because you were reading. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm almost done with this chapter, but I have to finish the chapter. I'm almost done with the book. Could we just like, could you just wait like 20 minutes? And I was like, yeah, sure. Because I would have like this left in the book. And I'm like, I can't, I can't continue. I can't, I can't record just ghoulie things and not say anything. It's just not going to well, happen. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and speaking of which, if you guys purchase the second Dylan Claypool book, you will see some awesome people are acknowledged at the end of the book. And by awesome people, that's us. So that was pretty cool. Um, thank you that's so awesome. much for acknowledging us in your, in your book. Yeah. That was an honor, let me tell you. It was an honor. So we're hoping to get acknowledged in the third book and the movie <laughs> or TV series. <laughs> <laughs> An extra work, you'll see us floating around in the back. <laughs> A big party scene. I'm waving at the camera like, yeah. yay! We're booked. We're booked. <laughs> we got <laughs> All right. Um, so, and also I want to ask, so out of all the things you've probably written growing up, why did you decide to write about the paranormal? Well, I have always been, you know, kind of like you guys described, always been kind of drawn to um, those types of things. Uh, for me, it really started, believe it or not, people think this is funny when I say this, but my attraction to paranormal actually started by growing up going to Sunday school. Oh. You know, it, yeah, you go to you go to Sunday school and you hear about, you know, demon possession and angels and, you know, people coming back from the dead. And and so at a very early age, it was just instilled in me that this is a real thing. You know, these these things really do happen. So as I got older and you start hearing, you know, people's experiences and you start watching movies or reading books that pertain to this, it's always just been something that I have taken as a real thing. And so that's kind of what has drawn me to it. And that's really, you know, when I started watching Ghost Adventures with my kids as they got a little older, um, that really is what inspired me to write about a teenager um, you know, ghost hunter. So. Oh, okay. Lily, awesome. do you have any questions and for James in regards to, you know, his paranormal experiences or? So what got you? So, um, I mean, Rebecca kind of already asked this, but when did you kind of know, like, was there like a clicking moment for you when you kind of knew you believed in the paranormal? Like some people have that moment of like, okay, yeah, like this is, you know, and other people just kind of are eased into it. So what was your yeah. kind of like? Like. Yeah, I, I have a moment like that, actually. So, um, and this is actually, um, you know, if you've read the book, you'll recognize this right off the bat, um, because this moment actually inspired the very first chapter of the Dylan series. So, um, as I said, you know, my, my oldest daughter, when she was about 12, 
she was really getting into watching Ghost Adventures, and we really enjoyed it. You know, it was on, I don't remember what night of the week it was on back then, but we, it was always like, oh, my God, it's a new episode. we got to watch it. So the more we watched, the more we thought maybe we should try doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in Michigan. My family, my mom and dad are still in Michigan, and, and every summer we go from New York to Michigan and spend some time with my mom and dad. And um, I grew up very close to a cemetery. And, in fact, my, my grandfather was the gravedigger at this cemetery for a, lo- a really long time, which is, that's, <laughs> there's a character in the book called the gravedigger, and that's actually, that's actually my grandfather who inspired that character. Aww. But, yeah, so, so we decided, okay, we're going to give this a shot, and we're going to go to the cemetery late at night with a digital recorder, and we're just going to try to see what happens. So it got to be, now, Michigan, um, especially on the west side of Michigan, it's almost in the central time zone. So it stays very light, very late during the summer. So it, it could be like 10 o'clock, and it's still not quite dark. So we're waiting for it to get dark, and we go to the cemetery. It's about 11.30, and, you know, we're driving, and I pull into the the driveway, and I kill the headlights because you're not supposed to be there, you know. So I turn the headlights off, pull back, and we stop, and and we're just kind of really nervous amongst ourselves because, you know, we're thinking, how silly is this, right? So we get out of the car, and we start walking around the cemetery, and like a half an hour goes by and we haven't done anything. And I'm starting to think to myself, okay, if we're going to do this, we need to do it. If not, we need to leave because I'm not supposed to be here. And what's going to happen if somebody notices us here and calls the police, how am I going to explain that I've got my 12-year-old out here at the cemetery in the middle of the night? <laughs> yeah. So, so she's like, okay, Dad, you have to say something, you know, to ask a question. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not saying anything, okay? <laughs> this, this is not how this is going to work. So she's like, okay, then what are we going to do? And I said, well, why don't we just leave it on top of a headstone and walk away for a while and come back? And she says, okay, right here, do this one. So I take my flashlight and I shine it at the headstone and it turns out I'm right next to the grave of a, of a guy that I grew up with, okay? Oh, wow. I went to high school. Thought, okay, this is a good spot as any. So I set it down on there. We walk away, and we're gone for 25 minutes. We come back, we grab it, we jump in the car, we shut the doors, and we're like, okay, you know, we're just giggling and funny. So we start to play it back. We're sitting there, and I'm in the driver's seat, she's in the passenger seat, and we're sitting there, and I have the recorder held between our ears, and we're just listening. And when the recording starts, what you hear is our footsteps walking away, and you hear us giggling and laughing, like whatever. And then it goes silent for a long time and all of a sudden I picked my head up and I looked at her and I said did you hear that and she said I think I might have heard that so I rewind it play it back I'm like yeah yeah I think I heard something she says to me I'm pretty sure I heard something too so we rewind it again playing it back we both look at each other and we say hello because we heard the word hello on an EVP. <gasps> oh, so wow. And that's when I knew, you know, like I had known all along, but that's when I really knew. And then yeah. so that that actually ended up starting the book. I mean, the, Dylan in the first chapter is reviewing EVP the same way and she's she's hearing things. So that that moment actually kind of 
kickstarted that book series. So that's oh, amazing. Cool. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, I have to just say, your daughter is badass for being 12 years old, <laughs> going to a cemetery late at night, wanting to do some ghost hunting. I wish I had her demeanor at that age. Good for her. Um, do you guys, have you guys gone ghost hunting ever since? Or was that the only time? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So. Yeah, um, no, in fact, when I, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, what were you saying? You, like, froze, so I didn't know if you were saying anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, I heard you, I heard you ask if we'd gone since, and, um, yeah, once I once I just started to write the book, we we went several times, and, and some of the stories I'll, I'll share today will be those experiences. But yeah, we, we've gone several times. So. Amazing, that's awesome. Um, Lily, do you have any other questions? Um, I should have written them down. I had a couple. I was like coming up with them last night before I went to bed. I was like, what am I gonna ask James? And I had all these good ass questions. I didn't write <laughs> any of them down. Well, how about this? We'll have James start to read his experiences, and whenever you remember them or you think of any, we'll just interrupt James or at the end of his story and just ask a million questions. Yeah, if I remember. I mean, I think they pretty much... I was I was just really dying to know what the first... Uh, dying. Uh, <laughs> to know what the first experience was. So my main question was answered. So thank you so much. Okay, yes, let's get into the story. Okay, so you guys want me to go? Yep. All right. Um, so once the idea came to me, once the idea came to me to write Dylan, I had made a decision that um, I needed to go have more experiences, like the one we had in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm going to write a book about a ghost hunter, I don't want to just base it on what I've seen on TV, what I've read in books. I want to experience it, make it real, because I knew that that EVP we captured had made chapter one so real that I needed more of that. So um, I went out and I bought a night vision camcorder. Mm -hmm. I bought a spirit box. I bought um, some, uh, a few other things. I can't, oh, a mel meter. I have a mel meter. Oh, and wow. yeah, so we started to look around at some of the places in our location that could be haunted. And we found a place called the Phelps General Store in, in um, Palmyra, New York. And this building um, is a very, very old building. It's a three-story building. On the main level, there was a general store, which is now a museum. The second level was a dining room, kitchen, living room where the family that owned the store lived in. And on the third floor were all their bedrooms. And what happened was, I think it was like in 1968 or something, this building caught fire. And the, the husband who ran the store was in Chicago at a, um, basically like a trade show for store owners. And his wife and all seven of their children died in that fire. Wow. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what you have is this perfect um, scenario for um, energy to be trapped. You have a sudden loss of life, sudden loss of young lives, um, and, and terrible, under terrible circumstances. So we were there. Um, this was about a year before Dylan came out. I was really just getting into writing the book, and we went. I took both my daughters. Um, Jade, who was with me at the cemetery, was um, 
can't remember what year. This was 2017, I think. So she would have been about 17 years old. And then Sydney was like 13, I think, at the time. And so we go there, and we're sitting at in the dining room at the dining room table. And the lady that owns the building was there with us. And I have my night vision camcorder set up. I got the millimeter going, turned on. I got the recorder rolling. And we're just sitting around the table in pitch darkness. And we're waiting. And the stairway to the third floor is sitting behind Jade. And she looks up at me, and she says, Dad, I think I just heard, you know, footsteps on the stairs. Okay. And I said, okay, well, we're just going to wait because I don't want to be that person who thinks every little creek is, you know, a spirit. <laughs> so we wait. Two minutes goes by, and she says, Dad, I think I'm hearing somebody walking on the steps. And I said, let's just keep waiting because it's, let's just wait. This is an old building. It's been restored. It burned down, whatever. Three minutes later, she says, Dad, I'm, there's somebody walking on the stairs. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So I grab my my phone, my, just my regular smartphone, and I have the flash turned on. And I get up, I go up the steps onto the landing, and there's a bedroom right at the top of the stairs. And I enter the bedroom. It's pitch dark. I turn around, and I click three pictures. Now, I sent you these photos. If you want to share them later, that would be great. So the, the first photo, there's an orb, a very clear white orb. And it looks like it's coming up the stairway behind yeah. where I came up. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The second photo looks like it's actually entered the bedroom with me. Mm -hmm. And then in the third photo, it's completely gone. So obviously, I was able to get instant gratification here because I could see it on my smartphone right away. So I'm freaking out. I'm telling everybody, come upstairs, come upstairs, and I'm showing the photos. And, you know, so I write fiction. So my imagination starts to run wild. And, <laughs> yeah, and I started thinking to myself, so this is um, the, 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 the wife of the storekeeper that, that was killed. Her name was Ruth. And I'm thinking to myself, this is Ruth. This is Ruth's energy on the night of that fire, constantly going up those stairs, trying to get those kids out, wow. never making it back down. And so um, that was a really big moment in me being able to write the book. There's a scene in the book where Dylan races up the stairs and, and they take a bunch of photographs. And that was a direct result of this experience. But um, yeah, so to me, that, that feels like, you know, residual haunting, you know, like that energy is trapped. Perhaps she is from now till the end of time, just constantly that energy is going up those stairs trying to get those mm -hmm. kids. Absolutely. Did That's you, awesome. Did you feel like they were acknowledging you at all? Or you just feel like it's literally just them replaying those that tragic night or day constantly? Like, yeah, do you feel yeah. a malicious spirit um, or? Yeah, that's a good question because I don't have any type of innate, like, senses. Like, I don't have, I don't feel like I'm a sensitive at all to, <laughs> to this. So I, I didn't particularly feel anything. Um, I didn't, I didn't sense anything, but when you see the images and you pair that with the fact that she was hearing footsteps on the stairs, um, there's no doubt of what we captured. I don't think, you know, a skeptic is going to tell you that it's dust and you know what, to be fair, the building is dusty, but you know, I took dozens of photographs that night and this is, these are the only two photographs that had this in it. So I felt like, um, were they trying to communicate with us? I don't think so. I think this was just energy 
you know, constantly yeah, replenished. Just the trapped energy. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, we, we uh, saw these earlier this morning before we started filming. And just by looking at them, when I post them on our Instagram, they're just just solid balls of energy is really what it is. It's not like an insect going by really quick. If it was dust, I feel like you would see a lot more particles coming up or moving around yeah. for it just to be those two instances. And then the third, which it seemed you, you clicked it right away, wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Like how would that have happened? So. Yeah, it was, it was consecutive, you know, click, click, click. And those were the three images that, that came. So. Wow, did you really feel cool. any? Did you feel like there was something with you, or no, was it no. just happened so fast? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't feel or sense anything. You know, I just. Um, I've had a, I've had a couple times of different experiences where I I thought I could feel energy, mm-hmm. you know, like a darkness. But this, I didn't. I didn't have any sensation at all. I feel like this was your intuition still speaking to you, saying, "Take these pictures now." You're going to acquire yeah, evidence. It was, it, just because you didn't physically feel anything, something made you take those pictures. So yeah. I find that concept really interesting. And we've talked a lot on the show about intuition and, like, just following your gut. Because, yeah. like, if it's something's telling you not to look behind you, you know, you should probably follow it because you may not like what you see behind <laughs> you or, you know, situations like that. So that's really cool. So that's your first experience, right? Um, so we'll do it. We'll have you go. Then Lily says her, uh, experience story. I'll say mine. Then James will have you go again. And then we'll just go in that order. Does that sound good? Cool. 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 Okay. Um, Lily, so you you set the tone. All right. This story is a little long. It's called last night. I don't know what happened. This story takes place in El Paso, Texas. I've been staying with my mom for the past several months as he was re- as she was recently diagnosed with cancer and had been undergoing treatment. She lives in the old part of the city on a Native American reservation. And while a couple of spooky things have happened here and there, nothing like what happened yesterday has ever taken place here at her, at her home. We have three animals that live with us, an orange cream cat named Leo, a German shepherd mix called Apache, and a tiny chihuahua named Jellybean. <laughs> Jellybean sold me on this story, honestly. <laughs> My mother and I had eaten. Sorry, my mother and I had eaten a late dinner, and we were watching trashy reality tele- television in the living room. Uh, when I heard Leo, who was resting on an armrest of the couch I was laying across, give oh, laying across, give a low growl. He thinks he's a dog sometimes and growls at other <laughs> dogs passing by, or at people he doesn't know or like. I told my mom to mute the TV because Leo was growling. She muted the television, and Leo began to flick his tail and follow something around the room with his eyes. He looked to the kitchen, and then to my mom, and then above her head to the ceiling. His pupils were huge, and he followed whatever he was watching back to a corner in front of, in the front of the room, where he let out another low growl. I looked at my mom and told her, he sees something, doesn't he? She answered with, yeah, and a sudden heaviness... Um, and a sudden heaviness enveloped the room. I FaceTimed my brother on my iPad and faced the camera at Leo, and I told him that the cat was acting weird. Leo was now facing the door, staring at something that we just couldn't see. We are a spiritual family and have had our fair share of paranormal encounters throughout the years, so the familiar heaviness that I started feeling became more concerning to me. My brother told me not to freak out, and something was there with us, and he said, maybe it's my grandma. You know she doesn't like you know she doesn't like cats or didn't like cats 
but my mom and I both said at the same time, it's not her. Leo was still watching whatever it was going from one corner of the room to another, and my mom began to pray. Leo's gaze began to move around the room again, and I started to feel fear, a deep concern within my gut as the energy in my room went from heavy to feeling dangerous. My heart began to race as I felt as if whatever it was in the place did not like her praying. My mom finishes with an amen, and my brother and I echo her with a quiet amen. The cat is still following the presence throughout the room and lets out one more growl. By now, my mom wants to leave the living room, and she retreats to her room. I'm still on the phone with my brother, and I joke around with him to try to ease the tension and follow my mom to her room, where I practically beg my mom to go and sleep with me in my room because I was pretty scared. At this point is when things went from creepy to frightening. My brother... Hearing my plea began to belly laugh because I am a 30-year-old female who was asking her mom to sleep in her room like a five-year-old. My brother starts to tease me, and I tell him that Apache doesn't even want to be in the living room anymore, and I turn my iPad to show my dog sitting patiently in front of my bedroom door. I step out into the hallway, and I notice Leo off to the right. His pupils are so large that his eyes look entirely black. His ears are flat and curved back, his tail once again flicking back and forth. He isn't looking at me. He's looking above me. I show my brother and say he is still uneasy, and I turn and I turn on my heel and go back into my mom's room where I tell her about Leo and ask again if she will sleep in my room that night. She agrees and begins to start to collect a couple pillows from her bed. My brother is laughing at me still and tells me that I'm fussing over nothing. I have the camera facing my mom, and my mom stops mid-reach for one of her pillows and looks up at me and says... Did you just say kissy kissy? When I want to get Leo's when I want to get Leo's attention, I say kissy kissy in an exaggerated high pitched voice, and I tell her no, I didn't. My mom looks at me, and what I saw scared me to the core. Her face looked like it wasn't hers. Her eyes were huge, like they were bulging out of her head, and it looked like her lips had disappeared, and her mouth was shaped into a small O. Her face didn't look. Her face looked. Her face looked like fuck, fuck. fuck. <laughs> I'm talking too fast. I'm getting really into the story, you guys. She <laughs> looked like a face of fright, but she, but she didn't look like herself. It's hard to explain, but her face looked evil, and it terrified me. She then rushes at me. I tell her, stop, stop it, don't, and I put my hands up with the iPad to stop her from coming closer, and my mom takes a step back because she would later tell me I, was so, I looked so scared that I scared her. My brother, meanwhile, is watching this exchange and is shouting, Okay, guys, okay, guys, relax, just relax. My mom looks at me with her face looking normal this time, and she tells me that she heard someone say, Kissy, kissy, clear as day, and I started to have a panic attack. The evil face I had seen had made my stomach drop, and once she, heard, once she said she heard someone say, Kissy, kissy, my body couldn't handle it anymore. I struggled for breath and began to hyperventilate. I started to get lightheaded, and I started to kneel. My brother is shouting to help me to try steady, to try to steady my breathing and stop hyperventilating. My mother had grabbed Jelly Bean and was waiting for me to steady my breath as well, and comes up next to me and tells me, "Breathe. It's okay. Just breathe." I finally inhale a deep breath and regain control of my breathing, and she show and she follows me into my room. I didn't sleep until the sun came out. My mom also didn't sleep. When we got upstairs, to when we got up to use the restroom upstairs, she was gagging as if she wanted to vomit, and she just said she didn't feel right. 
I don't know what happened last night or what was in the house with us or why, but I was hoping maybe I was just overreacting and what I had seen in my mother's face was only brought on by fear. My brother called me earlier this morning and asked me what the heck had happened last night. I told him that I didn't know and that I'm sorry for scaring him and freaking out so bad to induce a, as to induce a panic attack. And he got real quiet and said, you didn't scare me. My mom did. I asked him what he meant. And he said, her face changed when she, when she asked you if you had said something and you said no. When she looked at you, her face changed. And I didn't like it. It scared me. My stomach dropped again. I wasn't going crazy. My brother had seen it too since I had my iPad on the whole time using the front camera. He then told me he was recording the screen, his screen shortly after I called him to capture what was happening, and I had not looked at the footage because my mom's face scared him so much. He said he hadn't reviewed what he caught because he is afraid of what he is going to see, and I'm not sure I want to see what he caught either. If anybody has any idea of what happened or any idea of what to make about what happened, I'm all ears for an explanation. Wow. James, what do you yeah. think of this? Um, well, initially, so this story took a little bit of a turn on me because um, initially I thought it was going to be more about do animals see spirits, which which I'm pretty sure they probably do. And then I started to think that maybe the, the daughter, like maybe the mom wasn't actually being affected and maybe the, whatever the spirit was was just causing the daughter to see the mom differently. But when mm -hmm. the brother then said, then um, it, it's quite scary. Like, initially you think that maybe it's the grandmother visiting, but what would the grandmother be doing to the mother to make her yeah, look like Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I feel like in a way, it kind of, there was kind of like some, like, audio doppelganger sort of going on because someone had mimicked the daughter's voice of saying kissy kissy to the pet, but that wasn't her. And then that immediate, mm -hmm. that immediate realization that that wasn't her turns around to her mom and her mom's face starts morphing into something. And that's what gets me is that the brother saw it too. Um, I would have yeah, loved to see exactly. what the screen recording was and maybe and see if, see if it actually was caught on camera. Because it would be crazy if you look back and the mom's face was fine, but the brother and the daughter and had seen something with their own eyes that we can't see. I really wanted to comment and be like, you don't have to watch it, but post it so we can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good story. That I felt like I was in that situation myself. Yeah. Okay. So my story that I have here is titled, Seeing Myself, two, uh, My Two Experiences. I've had two weird experiences in my life that I'm confused about. I've told others, and they say that it's just imagination, but these things were clear as day. I've remembered them since the day they happened, and the memory has always been crystal clear. My first experience happened when I was really young. It's hard to say how old I was, but I know it was before I went to kindergarten, so like four or five years old, most likely five. I ran over to my dad's room and asked him if I could have some chocolate. He told me we didn't have any more, so I ran back to my room. I remember running up the doorway up to the doorway and seeing myself sleeping on my bed with a bright white cloud above my sleeping body. When I stepped into my room from the doorway, it all went away. I've remembered it ever since and my dad didn't believe me when I brought it up years later. He told me it was just a dream. 
The second experience was when I was 10 years old. My dad got me a Nintendo DS for my birthday, and I had a Club Penguin game where you could be an agent. I remember that! Uh-huh. I was sitting on the edge of my bed playing the game, and I was getting super frustrated because of this one mission where I had to figure out how to defeat the robot thing, and I ended up yelling. My dad yelled from across the house to be quiet and put the game up. If it, to put the game up if it's pissing me off. So I did. He also called me into his room, so I put the DJ down on my bed and ran t- into his room. He asked me to get him a beer, so I ran to the kitchen, grabbed it, and ran back and gave it to him. He was asking me about what was making me bad, so I explained it to him, and then he was done talking with me, so I ran back into my room. Now that I'm talking about it, I feel so silly because I used to run across the house. It's the same thing like the other experience. I ran up to my doorway, and I saw myself. I saw myself sitting on the edge of my bed, how I was before I was playing with my DS, except I had my arms crossed, and there was a slightly big black ball above me. Once again, stepped through the doorway into the room, and it just went away. I haven't, had, and I haven't seen myself at all since the last one that happened at 10 years old. I'm 20 now. I don't know if this is even the right place to post this, but it seems fitting. It's super crazy because I've had no other explanation for what I saw other than it being some kind of paranormal situation. I can't wrap my head around it. Has anyone else had these t- kind of experiences? Does anyone know what could possibly explain my experiences? Sounds like a doppelganger to me. Right? It's like a doppelganger, but I just, like, and the fact that this happened in two different occasions, it's like, was there something going on significantly in her life that maybe it's a sign for something? Um, the first time when she was little, it was a white cloud over her head, which kind of seems more playful. And then the second yeah. time, it's a black ball above her head, which kind of gives me a dark omen sort of feel to it. Yeah. So like what, James, what would you, what would you take from the situation? Well, I kind of agree with you on the, on the color scheme there. Um, I, I'm so surprised from listening to you guys, how many stories like this there are, because yeah. I haven't heard too many, like personally told to me. Um, do, do you guys know, like, what is, is there a general significance to the doppelganger experience? Do you know if there is like, if there's anybody who knows about that, because it's such a foreign thing to me, but it would be so scary. Like you guys did one last week where the girl was like at work and they were seeing her at home. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, there's so many accounts of this going on, but like, what is the significance? Do you guys have any idea what the significance of the actual experience is? I know that sometimes, um, sometimes, I mean, it usually, I usually believe it to be a doppelganger, but sometimes it could be like a, like a morphing shapeshifter or something or a glitch in the matrix. So I think that when it is truly a doppelganger, um, it seems like they're more and more recently, they've been harmless. They've just been kind of doing their own doppelganger thing. So I don't know what the significance is, honestly. I don't know if it's an omen, if it's there to help with something difficult that's going on, pay the rent. I don't know. Work two jobs. See, and that's the thing with doppelgangers. Is like when we've done an episode specifically on doppelgangers before, and there's only X amount of information behind it because there's so many different theories out there. And, I mean, while it makes sense of – I personally think that – it's more leaning towards being like a glitch in the matrix, 
where, you know, people say that we all are on different, like, there's so many different parallel universes and different spectrums of, mm-hmm. you know, existence, and sometimes it crosses over, and there's been plenty of examples of that, but the doppelganger situation also makes sense where an evil spirit may want to take host of a body or pretend to be something to get something out of someone else. Um, yeah. So they're both, and I think it, it depends on the, the ex- I think it depends on people's experiences too. I, I I find it really hard to think of like a subject like doppelganger, which really is such a broad topic, and only giving it one explanation. I think that doppelgangers are used in different scenarios, and it depends on the experience that the person has and why they're having it. So um, it is a really interesting concept, though. I always love a good doppelganger story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James. So what is your uh, last experience you have to tell us? Okay, so my last uh, story is um, this was also a place that we went to uh, gather research to write the Dylan series, and it's a place called the Rolling Hills Asylum. And most um, people who are fans of paranormal are familiar with that building. It um, sounds familiar. Yeah, we. I live about 45 minutes from it, so it worked out really good. And, and many if not all paranormal experts, if you will, claim that this is one of the most, if not the most haunted buildings in North America. So it's a very, very active place. And I took my daughter, Sydney, when she was, I think, 14 at the time we went. And um, so we go in there and we got, we got some, some action right away on the spirit box. Um, but then the rest of the night, everything just died down. And there was really nothing going on. And we were in there for about six hours, I would think. And, I mean, and Sydney was trying so hard. She was laying on the uh, the autopsy table for, like, <laughs> 45 minutes trying to get some response. And we couldn't get anything, right? That's cool. Yeah, so it started to get really late. And we needed to be out of there, like, within a half an hour. So now we're starting to get desperate. And, you know, I told Sydney, I said, let's go back upstairs and let's just see, you know, if anything happens. And so we're headed up to the top floor, and as we get to the top of the stairs, we both heard something. So it's like a hospital. So there's long hallways and a bunch of different rooms. And right at the top of the stairs is one of the rooms. And we're walking up, and we, we both just stop because we heard what sounded like something being dragged on the cement floor, like almost like if you were to pull your chair out at the table and hear that sound. Well, it's pitch dark up there, and it's one of the most haunted buildings in America, and we're hearing something move, so we're scared. And we go, so, you know, I'm, like, whispering, let's go into that room. I just heard something. And we go into the room, and what we find in there is, um, like, there's trigger objects throughout the building, okay? And this room happened to be filled with toys, so there was like a fire truck, a rocking horse, and what it sounded like was maybe the fire truck rolling on the floor once we saw it. Well, all of that was pretty scary, but where it got really, really scary was later on um, when we were reviewing the footage. Because as I'm walking up the stairs, Sydney has the camcorder going. So you can see me going up the steps, and I have a digital recorder in my pocket. And when we both come to a sudden halt at the top of the stairs, on both the camera audio 
in the digital recorder audio, you don't hear a sound like something being dragged. What you hear clear and distinct is the word play. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you, when you combine that with the room is full of toys, this, this felt like, like a, like an intellectual haunting, like somebody trying to grab our attention. Hey, come and play with us. Yeah. Um, I still actually get goosebumps whenever I tell the story because it is so scary because we were scared enough not hear the word play. But then, and this was like weeks later when I finally got around to looking at all the footage. And then I'm sitting there and I hear play. And I'm like, oh my God. So then I go to the digital recorder and I hear like play. I'm like, I mean, it, it was just, it blew us away. It blew me away. So both, so, so both uh, audio equipment or the both equipment caught play? Yeah. Wow. Clear as a, clear as a bell, play. I mean, and it sounds like a kid, you know, of course. Wow. So. Wow. It makes you feel That's bad. My voice just cracked. Yeah, it makes you feel wow. bad. You're like, wow, these kids are still stuck <laughs> there and they just want to play. Like, they're not malicious. They're just, they just they suddenly passed play. away and they see someone here that is, you know, trying to acknowledge them. And yeah. so hopefully you can go back and try to communicate at some point. Yeah, we've talked about it. We've talked about going back uh, maybe for even a longer stint. I mean, I know you can get, you can get access to the building for like the entire night. You know, um, and maybe one day I'll have to do that and just uh, see what see what we find. Ooh, you oh, have to wow, let us that's know. Awesome. That would be so cool. Yeah. All right, Lil. Um, what's your last experience story? Rebecca, you're frozen. I'm frozen. You're frozen, but you're smiling, so it's okay. It's <laughs> oh no, you're not frozen anymore. You're back. You're frozen just like this. Like a Hallmark <laughs> card. It was awesome. It's my doppelganger. <laughs> okay, my turn? Yep. Okay. Hearing a voice speaking in my car for the third time, but my daughter saw something around the same time? Okay. This has happened to me now three times in my life. Once was with my mother in the room with me as I was awake, twice on my own while I was asleep. The gist of this is I'll hear a voice that sounds exactly like someone speaking at at what I would consider a normal volume, not a whisper, not a yell, into my ear. It sounds so real, I can practically feel it. You know, the way it feels when someone speaks up, speaks right up beside you. The first time was when I was 11. It sounds trite, but it was in a funeral home. I was with my mother and my late grandmother sitting in the funeral director's office, going over details for the funeral of my late step-grandfather. The director asked if there were any nicknames that he preferred to be called or something along those lines, and I heard, clear as a bell, a man's voice saying the name, something I would have had no way of knowing. I repeated it out loud on reflex, and both my mother and grandmother were dumbfounded. The second time was when I was 16. I was living with my late grandmother. I was asleep in my bed, and when all of a sudden in my ear, the longest, loudest growling sound I've ever heard sounded off. I shot up out of bed. To this day, I've never heard a sound quite like it. And I can genuinely say it's one of the few times in my life I felt truly afraid. So the third time was two nights ago. I'm 24 now and have an autistic four-year-old. I had just fallen asleep when all of a sudden I heard in a crystal clear female voice, where did you put it? It didn't sound unfriendly. It was just so loud and so clear. I shot right up out of bed. And as I did, I swear, hand to God, I saw something 
a wispy, shadowy, black figure <laughs> flying across the room and out of my bedroom door. Yeah, right, we're just making up words now. I love it. <laughs> I took a few breaths, got up to check on my kids. Both were sound asleep. I went back to bed. Now cue the morning. My autistic four-year-old woke up first. She is sharp as a tack, but imagination play is not something that she participates in, which is common for many autistic children. So imagine my surprise or horror when from our living room, she, where she'd wandered ahead of me, she yells, a ghost, a ghost, and starts making her afraid shakes. She shivers like a cartoon when something freaks her out. Recently, my son had been laughing at nothing, like sitting in his crib at 10 p.m. in the pitch black, laughing at nothing visible. Our cat also spontaneously scratches at the walls and becomes deeply agitated. Anyways, not sure if this is something or nothing, or to or if I'm totally insane, but I just thought I'd put it here and see if anyone had any thoughts. Wow. So, so was the first time they heard it was at the funeral home? Is that yes. correct? So I'm wondering if maybe maybe something at the funeral home attached themselves to this person and they've just been constantly experiencing it periodically throughout their life. Yeah, that it, would make a lot of sense. And it would make sense, too, because she's younger, so she's more closer to the spec to the one, one spectrum of life um, on the other side. And she could also just be extremely sensitive and empathic. Um, yeah. Which seems, I, I mean... Because I would think that even as an experience, as, as when she experienced it really young, over time people lose their abilities. Because as you get older, there's the theory yeah. that you know people typically lose their abilities. But this seems to be happening clear as day, and it seems like her her children have that gift as well. So I think that's pretty. Yeah, amazing. it's happening with the kids too. So I was thinking, whatever it is, must have found maybe something like the uh, person who wrote this has a gift and kind of latched onto that. And now since the kids are so young, they're closer to that other end of life that they can kind of pick up on it as well. And, you know, animals, yeah. you know, seeing spirits and everything, that's a whole thing. A thousand percent. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, so my last story um, is going to kind of tie into the next segment of what we're going to be talking about with James, and it's titled, A Creepy Experience on the A556 Chester Road. I'm not too sure if this is the right place to post, but here it goes anyway. Okay, so I was driving home two days ago at roughly 3 a.m. I was driving on a British A road, which is in the middle of nowhere and surrounded by forest. Now, I pretty much know this road like the back of my hand as I've been driving back and forth, mostly at night, for a long time. There are street lights, but they're quite dim and don't do that great of a job of lighting the road up. Now, as a bit of backstory, I'm generally a calm driver. I don't know why I'm quite frantic in real life, but when I'm behind the wheel, nothing seems to faze me at all. But the other night, I'm pretty sure I nearly had a heart attack. So, I was driving <laughs> along the road as per usual on the way back home. The only way to describe this is to say that about 150 yards ahead of my car, out of the woods, this humanoid creature bolted into the road. It was a light gray color and hunched over on all fours, but could easily be about 8-9 feet tall, stood upright. This thing bolted into the road at an unnatural speed and disappeared into the woods on the other side of the road. Now there's four lanes and no central reservation, so it was a straight sprint across. I tried to rationalize this as a bird, but I knew for a fact that it wasn't. 
Like I said before, I'm a very calm driver, but as soon as I saw this thing, I had instantly turned freezing cold and started sweating, almost on the verge of crying. I don't know what my rationalization was, but some part of me wanted to slam on my brakes out of panic to take a breath, but I just put my foot down and drove way too fast to get away from what I just saw. (laughs) I don't necessarily know if it's relevant, but I remember looking at the clock, and it was dead on 3 a.m., Apparently, this is a strange hour for unexplained things going on. If anyone else has similar experiences or know what the hell this thing was, I'd love to hear it because even thinking about it gives me cold chills. Oh, wow. 3 a.m. The witching hour, right? I mean, that's always really significant. And, I mean, it's it's kind of hard for this story because they're not really giving a lot of description besides the fact that it seems like 8 feet, 9 feet. And um, it's like a gray sort of creature. So, I mean, and I don't really know the animals and stuff in England, but I I can't really think of anything that's eight foot, nine foot tall or in length. Maybe like a moose, but mooses don't live in England. I don't, and I I don't think they're they're gray either. I don't think they're gray. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, James, now... This is the reason why I wanted to end on this is because it goes into what you wanted to talk about, saying that while you believe in the paranormal, ghost spirits, you are relatively skeptical on experiences like this, cryptids and aliens. Can you explain why? Yeah, definitely. So, um, and let me just also say that I'm also somewhat skeptical, um, even with ghost stories. I mean, like you guys, I hear so many stories. If I go to a library or if I go to a bookstore, everybody comes up to tell me their stories. And Mm -hmm. I take every story seriously, but I don't always believe every story. And And I think it's healthy to be somewhat skeptical because if we just automatically believe everything we hear, we're kind of just, you know, resigning our intellect, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but at the same time, don't get me wrong because everyone's experience means something to them and i i never discredit what they tell me mm-hmm. so as far as the the cryptid scenario i i love the idea of like bigfoot mm-hmm. okay i don't however think that it's probably a thing because um see i'm i'm very involved with like endangered species conservation Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big thing to me. I, I'm a member of snow leopard groups and all this stuff. And so I watch a lot of these documentaries about actual endangered species because I and I thought to myself, you know, if Bigfoot is a thing, maybe this is just some endangered species that no one has you know really found. Mm-hmm. But then I watched this documentary on tigers and it was I'm going to get it wrong, but it was in some part of India where supposedly there was not any tigers anymore for like hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And this group of people had some reason to believe that there was because there was a few people saying, yeah, we saw one, we saw one. So they stayed in this forest for like 20 months, okay? They were up in the trees every night, taking turns, camping out, and they didn't leave until, guess what? They caught one on camera. So to me, until somebody does that, and mm-hmm. finds one, I, I don't think I'm going to buy it because ghosts, for instance, this is something being documented every single day. Yeah. There are, there are people doing investigations, actually capturing audio evidence, visual evidence, 
You can dispute the evidence if you want to, but it's there. What I don't see happening in a world where every single one of us has a camera in their pocket, mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a flood of Bigfoot sightings caught on camera. I'm not seeing all these other cryptic stories. Nobody's capturing them. Mm-hmm. Even even aliens, it's very rare that someone would capture a UFO. When I Back in the 90s, when I was a teenager, UFOs were a big thing. Everybody was talking about, oh, I got abducted. Then there'd be a crop circle on Good Morning America. What is it? What is it? It just doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't happen because, you know, Google Earth is monitoring Earth all the time. And if they were coming, I, in my mind, they would we would be seeing this happen. So, yeah. again, I, I don't ever like to discredit people's stories. But for me, I'm more of a, I got to, you know, I just think it would be probable that somebody would capture some really, really indisputable evidence by now with mm-hmm. the fact that we have all this technology. That's all. Yeah. Cool. I think, and I think your your point of saying, you know, I think it's a, I, I agree that I think it's a good thing that we should all, people that are intrigued with the paranormal should be a little skeptical because I think that mm-hmm. it does the paranormal world a disservice by just believing every single thing that you hear and I see. Agree. And I Absolutely. think, like, we, we say that this podcast is a safe space for people that have had experiences and people, when they write to us, the first thing they most likely say is, I know I sound crazy, but... We want to be yeah. that place where, you know, we believe, we, we want to believe what you're saying. And we want you to have a space safe, a space safe, space, safe space, I can't talk today, <laughs> to talk about these things that norm, in normal society is taboo and we're just seen as crazy. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But I think it is important that we have that skeptical side that if we do see a story that we can kind of explain it in another way and it's easy to debunk. Mm-hmm. We say that because then it is closure for that person that had that experience and maybe they did experience something paranormal, but also giving them the options of, look, this is something that could have also been a reason why you had that experience and it makes them maybe feel more safe. And that's what we also want to provide to our listeners too, a safe, a safe space where, you know, they can vent, but they can also get advice that they can implement into their life and maybe feel a little safer at home. And you know, that is so important too, because... For instance, if I go do an event at a library, mm-hmm. I mentioned it earlier, people will come up to me and they'll tell me their stories. And I can't even tell you how many times they start it with, I've never told anybody this story before. Yeah. You know, So here I get the honor of hearing this story that they've been carrying with them for sometimes decades. Wow. And they're comfortable enough with me to, a complete stranger, to... To tell those stories, and it's such a privilege to hear them, and that's why I always, always take whatever I hear extremely serious, because for somebody to open up or to send you guys a, a story and tell you a story that they're probably embarrassed to go to anybody else with, um, it's a real honor. And you, and like you said, it's a, it's a, um, uh, it's mandated to us to make sure we take that seriously. Definitely. Now, I want to play devil's advocate with you on a couple of points that you made about, you know, being skeptical about aliens and uh, cryptids and stuff. So you said, well, you know, Google obviously has taken over all of our lives. If something (laughs) were actually around, there would have been clear documents about it. Now, there's always theories about aliens being a part of the government, as a part of a project, and that we have, you know, we have connections with extraterrestrials, so on and so forth. 
I, I, I personally believe that it would be crazy to think that there's not life on other, like in, in this universe. I, you mm -hmm. know, I just don't think that we are the only place that's, you know, can supply human life or oh. any sort of life. Um, so with that being said, do you think maybe the reason why we're not seeing things through Google is because, you know, Google connected to the government? Do you think that maybe that's because they're hiding stuff from us that they don't want the public to know? You know, I've heard those, you've heard those thoughts. Um, I, first of all, let me just say, I, I also agree. Like I wouldn't be surprised if, um, one day, you know, they find fossils on a, on another planet mm -hmm. of, you know, insects and little reptiles or whatever. Um, I, I could, I could sign up for that. Yeah. Um, for me, for me to think that there, there's somebody out there with such intellect and such ability to come visit us, um, that's kind of a stretch for me. Um, the government, conspiracies, all these things, um, you know, I'm just, I, I just think in order for that to be pulled off, there would have to be such an involvement and such dedication from so many people for so many generations. I don't think it's probable in a in a in a time when like WikiLeaks, mm -hmm. you know, I just you know I, I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible, but to me it's not likely. I don't yeah. I don't find it likely. Okay, That's fair. yeah, no, and it, it's just like a like for me, my my philosophy on it is that I like I, while I do think that there are things that maybe visit here, just because. I find it very hard to believe that we are the most intelligent beings in this universe. <laughs> but that's me personally. That is my that is my mindset. Um, but then I also want to ask you, you know, a lot of these cryptids and humanoid creatures, a lot of experiences when trying to make connections of what they are, derive from stories that started hundreds, maybe even thousands of years ago. How do you explain that? Yeah, see, that I can't really explain. Um, you know, I've thought about that, too. That That is that is kind of where you get hung up with the, especially with the Native American culture or even, like, the Yeti stories um, that come out of uh, Asia. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll give you, you know, another example here. So along the endangered species uh, thing, Back in Michigan, where I grew up, you always heard stories about people seeing mountain lions. You said, oh, we saw a mountain lion. And, and like, oh, you did? Like, nobody would believe it. People would, you'd hear it. Once in a while, you'd hear it. Well, around the early 2000s, once digital cameras became a thing and hunters were putting trail cameras out and people had cell phones and this and that, all of a sudden, guess what? People were seeing them on the cameras. Mm -hmm. And now... Even like the, the Department of Natural Resources of Michigan now actually admits, okay, there are mountain lions in Michigan. Okay, we don't know how many, but they're here. On the same note, one mountain lion, one male mountain lion will habit, habitate 90 square miles. Okay, so they can go without being seen, believably, their whole life. They might, no one might ever see this cat. So if Sasquatch or... In Michigan, there's a thing called Dogman that people talk about. So let's say Sasquatch or Dogman or these whatever else. Say there's 10 of them in the country. Mm -hmm. Is that possible? It is possible because you might not 
they might not ever be seen. Mm -hmm. But with the amount of sightings, I got to think somebody must have their phone with them at some point, you know, yeah. to, get, to get the picture. That's, Especially that's just... right now. Yeah. yeah so. I, I, I agree with that, though, and I think that that's where, you know, the situation, unfortunately, with the paranormal, the paranormal, you know, uh, community, we're kind of seen as crazy or we're just seen as just super creative because it's like there's not a lot of evidence behind it. And I think that while we have more evidence of like spirits and ghosts, it's harder to debunk these humanoid creatures because a lot of times the evidence that is put out there is grainy because they're seeing it from far yeah. away. They're taking it with yeah, a, a little iPhone that now some iPhones are even better than professional cameras. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I just... That's like that is the one part that's really frustrating, and I do think that a lot of cryptid stories that either we read or that are online, they may easily we don't have pictures of it, so it could have easily been explained as some sort of endangered animal that was killed on the side of the road, mm -hmm. um, and we don't know Absolutely. that. But you know, we yeah. have to go off of you know what we read. And I would love for Bigfoot to be a real thing. <laughs> I, I, I really, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I, I've got I've got three manuscripts here at home, stories that I've written about Bigfoot. I I like the idea yeah, of Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, and I really like the idea of it being actually a species that we thought was extinct that isn't. Um, that's That would be awesome. And so, you know, you remember that show Finding Bigfoot? Did you ever watch yeah, that? Yeah, yes. I watched some episodes. Okay, so when I saw that was going to come out, I was so geeked. I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We're going to get some real, you know, investigation and whatnot. And I loved the show. I think I saw every episode they ever made. Mm -hmm. the, the people on it are fantastic. Funny, dedicated, creative people. But the, all that show did was prove to me there's no big fight because yeah. Yeah. they just never got anything. And whenever they heard anything, oh, that's a big foot. No, that's probably a deer. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. You know, it's <laughs> so. But like I said, you know, they would go into the woods for three, four hours and then go home. Like I said, if you want to find it, stay out there until you do. Yeah. And, and that that will really prove it. And if, if they prove it, I would love it because I would love for it to be a real thing. I would love it. Who knows? Maybe there are people right now that are, are doing a 24-7 investigation. We don't know about it yet because they're not going to come out until they have some solid <laughs> yeah, evidence for yeah, us. Could so, be. Could be. Uh, Lily, do you have anything else to add for this topic we have? I just wanted to say thank you so much. I just wanted to say thank you for being here. Yeah, I want to yes. thank you guys. This has been so much fun. This is this is awesome. I'm so really. glad that we got the opportunity to talk to you and like not meet you face to face just yet because of everything going on. But thankfully, <laughs> um, actually speaking of which, I know you do a lot of book tours and library yeah. things. Do you, I, I'm assuming that's been suspended or postponed. What's going on with your tour dates? Okay, so I have um, several dates for 2020. Um, one of them has already been postponed. I had one scheduled for May 17th. Um, I have, um, some in the summer that I'm hoping for. Okay. And then I have around, Hall uh, around Halloween, I really kind of thrive, you know, cause this is when yeah. everybody's into ghosts. Mm -hmm. And I, I have, um, I have a week where I'm doing Massachusetts, then New Hampshire, then Vermont, then back to Massachusetts and then back down by New York city. Right now that all still seems to be on. Okay. I'm just hoping that it is. Um, I just hope that it all it all goes through because I'm really looking forward to that trip. Yeah, definitely. And um, if you, if you know, hopefully, if the New York City 
uh, thing happens, we can meet up and possibly go yes. to the yes. event. We'd love to meet uh, you in person. Be there. Um, uh, also, have you ever heard of Para Unity, the expo that occurs in New Jersey? Just from you guys. Okay. That is the only also place so known as Piranity. <laughs> as according yeah. <according> to Lily. <laughs> but you should check it out. They it, Typically, it would have happened already, but they postponed it. Luckily, just postponed until September. And it's a really cool. Where they have a bunch of vendors. They have other authors there. They have Weird New Jersey there. Um, you know, there's Steve Gonzalez, Dave Tango, um, Grant Wilson goes, does meet and greets. And I think it'd actually be a really cool thing for you to go check out, especially you being an author. Um, yeah, just yeah. to network. But, um, awesome. so maybe if you're able to do that, if you're not touring or anything, we can meet you there too. Yay! One trip! All right, guys. So, um, James, we're going to go through all the socials. So we would love for you to tell us where we can find you, follow you, buy all your books. Just, you know, promote the shit out of yourself. Okay, sounds good. So my website is jamesallenross.com, and that's J-A-M-E-S-A-L-A-N-R-O-S-S. And on Instagram, I'm at jamesallenross. Facebook, I'm at jamesallenross. I don't do Twitter. Um, so I think that's about the only place you can find me, but you can get my books on Amazon or you can actually buy them through my website and, uh, I'll sign them and send them right to you through there. So awesome. All right, Lily, ready to do the socials? So ready. All right. Follow us on Instagram at just ghouly things podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT podcast. Facebook like page. Just ghouly things podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. <laughs> and donate to our Patreon. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that they'd like to share on our show, please email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, James, for being on. Thank you, everyone, all our Boo Things for listening, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>